G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. Good night, everyone. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast as we head into the final round of home and away games in what has been a very, very unusual AFL season. We're here to preview all of round 18, review the final game in round 17, and uh, generally shoot the breeze and talk a bit of footy news. As I say good morning to my footyology co-host, Mark Fine. How are you going, Finey? Good. And you know what? In this strange season, it's come down to a pretty exciting round 18 with many permutations. I guess the shorter the race, the more likelihood there was going to be more teams in the running for the eight and various positions. And that's how it's worked out. Yes, well, as uh, we're talking about outside the eight, we're talking about Melbourne still a chance, GWS still a chance, inside the eight, uh, Western Bulldogs and St Kilda still with a bit of work to be done to uh, to hang on to their spots. Uh, are you nervous about your Saints, finding? Oh, I've got great backup. If St Kilda can't do it, then I can rely on Essendon, can't I? Uh, rely on an Essendon what to disappoint. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if St Kilda, and look, if St Kilda don't win, it'd be pretty disappointing. But if they don't win, I reckon I'll be a far keener Essendon supporter than you will be in the last round. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's uh, it's been a fairly disillusioning time for us Bombers. I'll tell you what, though, you, you mentioned that word rely. And uh, that always makes me think of one thing, and uh, and that is relying on the finest hamburgers in town, Finey. Would you like to tell us where we can find them? 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. That is the hamburger location. That is hamburger heaven. That is Andrew's hamburgers. I reckon if you got in a cab during non-COVID lockdown period, anywhere in Melbourne and said best hamburger, if the driver had been in Melbourne for more than 15 minutes, he'd take you to 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. Well, it's not even that. You can actually keep your GPS, best hamburger, and it just takes you straight to 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. It's It's... That concoction of ingredients, Finey, it's the tender meat patties, it's the vegetables beating with garden freshness, it's the succulent, firm, but still giving buns. It, it just all comes together for a hamburger made in heaven. You should be a copywriter for Safeway. I'll probably <laughs> be a delivery boy for Safeway. With Those beating vegetables... You know, it's it's just it, it it's written by others, but it's delivered and served up by Andrews. That's the beauty of them. 
Yes, it is uh, undoubtedly the best hamburger in town and the best home renovations in the world for anywhere can we find them? In Rotterdam, the great architects of Rotterdam. <laughs> Look, if you're looking for a beautiful house, geniuses at maximising small blocks into almost magical square footage for house properties. It's amazing because they work in those inner city suburbs like Port Melbourne, South Melbourne, Albert Park. And I speak of West Point properties, Nick Spartel's genius, just genius builders. They are a wonderful organisation who have been very generous to us, as have Andrew's Hamburgers, as have you, our audience. And uh, we've got plenty. I thought to... you were talking to me. <laughs> no, you're not generous at all. Um, no, you, <laughs> you, you are generous. You're generous with your time. And oh, I've had enough of bloody slapping people on the back. We've got a lot to get through, so let's do it. On Footyology Newsfeed. All right, let's kick off the uh, news segment with the, uh, well, devastating for a large uh, sector of the community, and I'm speaking, of course, about WAGs, who have had their their big moment in the uh, football spotlight Snatched away from them, finally, by coronavirus. The AFL announcing on Wednesday that the Brownlow Medal would be a virtual event this year. No wags, no red carpet, no stupid pre-count specials on Channel 7. Oh, no, hang on. There probably will be one of them. But it is an event which will now be held on Sunday evening of Grand Final Week. So October the 18th televised by Channel 7. And uh, don't worry, we are reassured by the AFL that uh, they will be honouring the great history of this ceremony. And we've also been reassured by Channel 7 Managing Director Lewis Martin that it truly is a magical night and we are down the track on plans to bring all the tension, drama and emotion to the fans at home as this year's fairest and best player is crowned. So rest assured, the Brownlow will still be everything that it usually is, which is, generally speaking, uh, one of the slowest three hours of live television of the year. Are you excited about the virtual Brownlow finding? Um, I'm virtually over the Brownlow in its normal state. Look, I'll say this about the Brownlow medal. It's the, you know... There are a lot of people who put up with football, especially in, in Melbourne, the, the town we're from, because it's such a big part of life here. So they're in footy tipping comps and they make short talk about it. You know what sorts wheat from chaff is the Brownlow. It's the, it's the sort of thing that, like, my wife will walk past and say, why? how could you watch this? And, and people who even feign interest in football just see it for what it is, uh, 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 just a stretched out, boring, you know, the best and fairest count, which really doesn't interest footy purists anyhow because it's a midfielder's award, specifically for a good midfielder in a team that's won more than half the games that doesn't have many other midfielders to take votes off him. It really has run its race, I reckon. I, I, I'm 
I'm over it, completely over it in terms of how non-inclusive it is for all players, how indulgent it is for hangers-on and how, well, pre the virtual days, um, maybe I'll enjoy the virtual one, how we no longer broadcast it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it is. Um, it, it is. It has become more and more indulgent. And I, I used to really enjoy it just as a de facto season review as they went through the highlights. But then, you know, the last few years, I, I remember. I think last year the packaged highlights of each round sort of centered on you know wacky bits of footage rather than the actual highlights of the round. So. Yeah, uh, they seem to have dispensed more and more with the serious footy content. I've got to say, I mean, look, it is possible as a, an event, it might be better because it's virtual rather than real. But um, whenever I see a quote from a Channel 7 executive talking about innovation and we're on track and plans, it always makes me start trembling with fear. Fidey, who knows what they could do with this? Will they involve the chefs from My Kitchen Rules or... Uh, you know, use the uh, hosting prowess of some other reality TV show. Anything is possible. Will we have a uh, mega wall of uh, well-dressed wags rather than see them in the flesh? I, I, I don't know, but I'm uh, sort of holding my breath as much with anxiety as excitement, I think. I mean, I'm hoping that a virtual Brownlow has no players, but like 3D imaging of the players. And, and like um, two votes. Jay, whoever, you know, pick a player. Jay, whatever. Canilio, S. Canilio. Two votes, S. Canilio, and this crackling image comes on the screen. <laughs> Hello, I'm Steve Canilio. I played well against North Melbourne. I got two votes, and then sort of sparks out and. I'd like the winner actually to be like a, a 3D rendering of the actual person. And it's it's what Channel 7, what they think Lockie Neal would be like. Thank you. I'm Lockie Neal. <laughs> that that to me is virtual, like a like the a cartoon. Well, that, I'm, I'd watch I'm, a cartoon Brownlow. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking they will probably have the real people involved, but just via a Zoom hookup. I'll tell you what, you wouldn't want shares in Zoom these days, would you? They must be absolutely thriving at the well, moment. Well, they are, because they they are absolutely thriving. Oh, are we going to have... I mean, you can't have a red carpet. What are they going to do? Oh, I'm just... Don't, I'm, I'm worried about Tom Brown. What's he going to do? Uh, Tom Brown, uh, well, there may be another kebab kerfuffle to, uh, to check out. I, I'm sure Tom will be scampering around somewhere looking for the latest breaking news about some incredibly important development. And the way, just one last thing. Whenever I hear the word wags, so you started off by saying, you know, the wags won't be there. You know, our, our mutual friend, Jeffrey Poulter, um, and a great newspaper man he was, I guess from a bygone era is Jeffrey. And the first time I ever mentioned wags on radio to Jeffrey, and I said, you know, I guess for some people, the highlight will be not the players, but the wags who were there. And he goes, who are you referring to? The Jack Dyers and the Lou Richards? 
I thought yeah. uh, I, I thought you were going to say he, was, uh, he thought you were referring to the dog from the Wiggles uh, yeah. wigs. But you, you know the old expression, a wag? Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Sadly, I'm old enough to know what you meant. Uh, all right, that is the virtual Brownlow. Now, um, we're getting to that time of the year, of course, where we've got both retirements and heaps and heaps of uh, trade and contract speculation. And there's plenty of that cropped up this week. Uh, one which I think uh, one club in particular will be pretty anxious about, GWS. A lot of uh, movement at the station being talked about there. Firstly, the positives, Jeremy, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Finlayson has re-signed, so they'd be pretty happy to lock him away. But they've already lost one. Aiden Kaur has departed the hub and walked out on the Giants, uh, citing his intention to hook up with uh, North Melbourne for next year. He would join... Uh, another former teammate there, uh, Paul Lahern. I don't know if their paths crossed at the Giants, actually. But the one that everyone uh, still wondering what is going on is big name key forward Jeremy Cameron, who's coming out of contract, uh, has had an offer on the table for some time, hasn't re-signed, hasn't been in great form, which has also fueled the speculation and a lot of uh, what is going on there questions being asked about him do you think uh, is Jeremy Cameron on his way out of GWS finally yeah I reckon he he may well be the I wonder how desperate they will be to keep him we know that they've got some salary cap issues and he just has not put in a wholehearted effort there's um there was sort of a, a you know Aiden Core on the way out. Leon Cameron was fairly generous about Aiden Core, but I can't remember who it is. One of their assistants was less generous, um, you know, suggesting if you don't want to be here, then tell us now and get out. And I just wonder whether there's a sort of a, a half a, a, a nod to Jeremy Cameron there, and it's too late for him to pull his finger out. You know, he, I just don't reckon he's been a wholehearted player this year. What are you? What, what's your take on his season? Uh, yeah, well, similarly. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say going through the motions, but, uh, you know, the form slump has been sort of going on so long now, you, you are getting to that stage of wondering whether there's something else preying on his mind and their inconsistent form, I think, might be a, a pointer to that as well. So... I wonder if that's the start of, of their people, key people starting to think, well, we had our chance and we're not going to get another one, which would be interesting seeing they were grand finalists last year. But they certainly haven't gone on with it. And when you see the sort of form he's in, uh, it does make you think, well, you know, is he headed for uh, what he perceives to be greener pastures? Just 24 goals from 16 games for Cameron this year. Not at all the sort of return they would have been looking for. Um, some more speculation. Essendon, speaking about uh, unhappy clubs, uh, not great days for the Bombers. And uh, predictably, people talking about players there potentially wanting out. Adam Sard's been one. Uh, that would be a devastating blow to them, certainly in their top 
three or four players these days. And the Joe Danaher speculation continues. We're now hearing Geelong apparently being interested in uh, Joe Danaher. They do love courting their key forwards, don't they? But uh, Danaher and Tom Hawkins, that'd be an interesting forward combination. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just putting their, throwing their hat in the ring. I don't really believe that they are in a position to get Joe Danaher, to be honest. I wouldn't have thought. Um, they've got some good talented youngsters. They've got some mid-range players that I guess they want to retain. Maybe that way they've sort of back-ended or front-ended their contracts. They can afford it, Joe Danaher, but Hawkins has still got plenty of footy left. That would be a slap in the face for Radigalia. If I was him, I'd walk straight out if they got Danaher and Radigalia could be a good pickup for someone. Um, how about the insult to Essendon with a suggestion that Melbourne might be willing to swap Tom McDonald for Saad. <laughs> Rather Saad than Tom McDonald. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be coming at, at that one. I also saw uh, just briefly saw a suggestion. I think uh, might have been Mick McGowan suggesting that uh, I think it was Carlton should try and make a play for uh, Zach Merritt. So I mean, you know, if you're hearing this sort of talk, even about Essendon's best handful of players you know that uh there's certainly whether it's reality or not there's certainly a perception out there that there's a fair bit of uh disgruntlement on the part of the bomber playing list and it might be right for the picking and i think uh we're going to see more of that we're going to see clubs zeroing in on clubs where there is perceived to be issues of morale or underperformance and see if they can uh, net themselves a bargain. And and Zach Merritt certainly would be a very, very consistent ball winner. Sometimes a, a few issues about his use, but uh, he's a really good midfielder, Zach. And uh, Bombers would be absolutely stuffed if they lost him, I would suggest. I, uh, I would, I'd, I'd say that you're saying there's disgruntlement. I, I doubt there are many gruntled players at Essendon at the moment. Yes. It's gr- I'm pretty sure that's not actually a word. Is it gruntled? Yeah, it's old English. Yeah, but what it obviously means, happy, satisfied, does it? Overjoyed. I don't know what it means. It's the opposite to disgruntled. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. I know. I've made that connection. Uh, all right, uh, so there, there's going to be plenty happening in that space now for the next, God knows, however many weeks until we actually have a trade period, but we'll keep you up to date with it. And this is also the time of year, of course, where some former uh, staunch servants of the game announce their intention to hang up the boots. And we've seen that uh, process begin already uh, last weekend with Bryce Gibbs playing his uh, final game uh, for Adelaide against Carlton, chaired off by former Carlton teammates, Cade Simpson, who has also announced his intention to retire. And uh, that was a lovely shot of Gibbs being chaired off, unless you were footy classified and Kane Corns, in which case you had to somehow make a uh, grumpy old man type argument out of it. But uh, yeah, it's been a bit on footyology. What did he say? Are you not across this? Well, it's... No. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, he just said, uh, well, Gibbs left Carlton and, um, you know, it showed the Carlton players were too happy with losing and David Teague shouldn't have been happy with it. And 
blah, blah, blah. It was such a long bow that even Caroline Wilson looked uncomfortable pushing it on footy classified. I've had a sizable crack at the whole concept of footy media clickbait. On Footyology today, if you want to have a look, footyology.com.au. But uh, yeah, just more grist for the Cane Corns mill. Um, however, uh, let's not give that any more airtime. Uh, Cade Simpson, the latest to uh, pull a pin on a sensational career and one in which he's uh, been up against it. Other players who are retiring, Tom Bell Chambers at Essendon. Uh, he will be uh, hanging up the boots. And uh, Hang on, you're not getting away that easy. Okay, go on. You have run him out of town. No, no I haven't. Uh, he's, he's run himself out of town. Have you watched him play this season? He's been bloody awful. Bell Chambers, beautiful rooms in French. Beautiful rooms. Oh, look, I mean, you know, I mean, credit where it's due. He's had a long AFL career, 13 years. My question has always been, you know, what higher levels of performance has he reached? He's finished in the top 10 and the best and fairest once in those 13 years. So I'd say he's been getting away with average performance for a while, but um, no doubting his commitment to the Essendon cause. Look, he's been, I'll say this, he's been prepared to put his body in there in terms of protecting his teammates and uh, fly the flag for the Bombers over the years. Um, and, you know, look, it can be difficult for Ruckman too. Uh, you know, occasionally, well, no, often they develop later in their careers. Uh, he's been, I think, probably as much as anything squeezed out by the uh, rise of the more mobile Ruckman who can pick up possessions around the ground or play a role up forward. And he's never really been able to do that. So, but that time has come. And I think, uh, you know, the emergence of Sam Draper as Essence number one Ruckman has definitely hastened that decision. But it was always going to be on the cards anyway. He hasn't been very durable with injuries. So, you've, uh, just, you've just brought a new dynamic to uh, broadcasting or covering football. What's that? Don't speak ill of the recently retired. Well, it's a bit hard yeah. to, isn't it, really? People already think I'm a grumpy enough old prick. I don't want to you know, enhance that reputation further. You weren't mincing words about him when he did the cobra the cobra arms after the goal in one of your losses. Yeah, I wasn't overly wrapped. Well, you know, he's, <laughs> he's squeezed 13 more AFL seasons out of his frame than I have, put it that way. Oh, yeah. Um, no, he's been a good footballer. Now, uh, now, two other guys we should pay due credit to, a Hawthorne pair who are announcing their retirement, Ben Stratton, the skipper, no less, and Paul Puopolo, of course, all part of that golden Hawthorne era with three flags in a row. And uh, in fact, Stratton would have been part of four of them. So, um, boy, you really know things have changed at Hawthorne when staples of those sides like those guys give it away. But they've been terrific for the Hawks over the journey, that pair finding. Yeah. Did Stratton miss one with a serious injury? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm just trying to remember if he was there in 2008, but uh, didn't miss any injured. Puopolo, of course, just for the just for the hat trick, but uh, both crucial parts of the uh, yeah. the Hawk Warner. Amazing player, Puopolo, really, sort of a, a mature age recruit. Didn't he come as a back pocket from South Australia? 
He did. He came from Norwood originally. And then he made his way as a forward who could both get very low and very high. Did a bit of, you know, well, I wouldn't say head ducking, but I'd, I'd say ducking. And then he could absolutely soar over the top of a pack. Pretty unique player, Puopola. Yes, he uh, he could certainly uh, take a, a big grab for a little guy. No, uh, Stratton wasn't part of 2008. I think he might have arrived 2009. So, uh, But, yeah, wonderful players for the Hawks and uh, three premierships in a row. They'll never be able to take that away from either of them or the Hawthorne Football Club, no matter how poorly they're going at the moment. So, You know um, what they say about Paul Puopolo back in South Australia? What? Paul Puopolo, that's more peas than a pie floater. Uh, pie floater, of course, very big in South Australia. Uh, but if that's a, an indicator of the calibre of players who uh, are thinking about giving it away, we're going to see some pretty storied talent uh, leave the AFL scene. And I wonder if what's gone on this year with coronavirus and everything might have hastened a few retirements. Do you think it might have? I think it might have. Well, they're... they're um threatening smaller lists, which I just don't like the sound of. Why should there be less players on a list next year? If there's not enough money, then play players less, but don't have less players. That'll be bad for footy. Uh, well, it certainly disenfranchise a lot more players, but, uh, I mean, this is the great unknown in which we're in, aren't we? We... we... We don't know when the trade period is. We only knew when the Brownlow was going to be last night. You know, like we, who knows what footy next year is going to look like. But I think uh, for anyone daring to think for even a second that uh, things will return to normal next year, uh, I'd be thinking again, because there's going to be a lot that is going to still look different and may never look again how it did prior to uh, this dreaded coronavirus pandemic so um food for thought there all right that is enough news for this week uh we've got plenty of games to preview and we've still got one to review let's do that on footyology wrap around well there was one game to finish off round 17 on monday evening it was between collingwood and gold coast and it was a magpies prevailing not without a uh, a decent battle served up by the Suns, but Collingwood running out 22-point victors. 10 goals, 8, 68, 2, Gold Coast, 6, 10, 46. The goal kickers, four goals to Jordan Degoe. What a uh, terrific comeback that was by him. Two goals to Big Mason Cox. Pretty impressive up forward. Singles to Tyler Brown, Crisp, Hoskin Elliott, and Myacek. For the Suns, three goals to Alex Sexton. Gee, he's been a reliable hand up in that forward line for them for uh, a few years now. Singles to Corbett, King, and Swallow. Well, finally, Gold Coast actually went to the quarter time break in front, uh, 3-1 to 2-2. But the Pies were just working themselves into this game and uh, the Dugowie show was about to uh, click into action. Uh, he was in very crisp form, as was crisp uh, for the Pies. But uh, Dugowie, the, the star of the show, 
And Mason Cox, too, looking pretty threatening up forward. Uh, Adam Trelaw, really good game from him. Isaac Kainor, uh, so good. He ended up winning the Rising Star nomination for the Pies. Not without a bit of controversy, that one. Uh, a lot of people in Adelaide believing their boy, Lockie Scholl, probably should have won the nomination for this round. But it was a reasonably impressive performance from the Pies headed into the finals. Not too bad from the Suns either. I, I thought they played a little bit better than they have been of late. What would you make of this game? And have you seen the 1974 science fiction um, bust? Terrible movie, The Land That Time Forgot? Uh, I haven't, strangely enough, no. What is the link there? This was the game that I forgot. Yeah. I, I actually watched this game on Tuesday morning. I completely forgot about it. Um, I guess it didn't captivate me prior to the first bounce. But I didn't mind watching the replay. I knew the result. Yeah, I thought Gold Coast actually showed a bit of character. Um, it shows that they haven't, you know, thrown the season down the down the sink like I reckon a couple of clubs have. You could accuse a couple of Melbourne-based clubs with proud pasts of not putting in the effort the Gold Coast put in. In the end, though, it was a great result for Collingwood because the players that they've brought back in the last week or so, Trelaw, latterly Dugowie, Kaynor, were their best players. Now, side bottom to be added to the mix... And I guess not many people are talking about them as a finals spoiler, but you mentioned it in our last program that Collingwood certainly at the end of last season found their best form and have done so in recent years. So maybe it's all come a little bit too late, certainly hasn't been planned, but they'd be delighted the way that you're quite right, Cox gave them not necessarily a marking target that they can guarantee upon, but certainly for the smaller players in the forward line, somebody reliable that they can get to the feet of. And I reckon they've lacked that this year. So it was a very good result for Collingwood in terms of who played well. Yeah, it really did underline to me. And, you know, any time I'm about to say something about Mason Cox, I always say the sentence in my head and make sure it's double entendre free. Um, but <laughs> bit, Well, interestingly, I, I mentioned the land that time forgot. Do you know who the screenplay was written by? Someone uh, Cox? The provocatively named Michael Moorcock. Uh, okay. Uh, yes, well, it, it did underline to me the significance of Cox to that whole forward equation. It's, you know, it, it's not just the marks he takes and kicked a great goal on the run too, but just the, uh, I guess, the crumbs that he creates by going for those contests. And um, the, the key is how many contests he can get to, Rowan. He doesn't cover the ground brilliantly, but that means he's well suited to a, a Gabba or a Metricon, it's at the MCG with the wider pockets that he's sort of at times found it hard to get from contest to contest, but it shouldn't be. Gabba's the second smallest ground, I think, in the comp, so it shouldn't be too hard for him at the Gabba. No, no, it shouldn't. Uh, 
what do we make of the Suns' season now? Is it, I mean, there's no doubt they've shown improvement. I mean, it's been disappointing they haven't, again, been able to capitalise on a good start. But, uh, you know... Asterisk, going... asterisk. Yeah, well, they've got five Asterisk, wins. Matt Rowell. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you think they would have pinched a few more wins with him yeah. on board? He was so impressive. He's what every team dreams of, the inside bull that kicks goals and can, you know, place with some outside run. He really makes a big difference to that team, as Cripps does to Carlton. Incredible to say after four games. But he's got that sort of powerful, um, match-winning feel about him, doesn't he? He does. He does. And uh, look, I mean, the Suns, not without a show of adding another win to the ledger, uh, they, of course, will play Hawthorne in the final round, a game which we will preview very shortly. But the Pies heading into what is now their fourth successive final series, once again, done it against the odds in terms of injuries and unavailabilities, but they will be there and uh, they are at the very least competitive. So we will watch their progress through, not September, October with great interest. So that finished off round 17. We've got a full book of nine games to talk about in the final home and away round of the season. Let's do that now. On Footyology, previews with Punch. So the final home and away round of this abbreviated season still feels like it's been a slog. And it kicks off Thursday evening, 7.10 at Metricon Stadium. It's not a showstopper, let's be honest. It's between North Melbourne and West Coast, but still plenty of stakes here with West Coast desperately trying to clamber into that top four, up against it from that perspective. And North Melbourne, still an outside chance of ending up with a wooden spoon. Been an appalling season by the ruse. Team selections have been announced. West Coast have made four changes coming back into the lineup. And they'll be very thankful for that. Dom Sheed, also Brendan Archie, Bailey Williams, and a debut to 188 centimetre Luke Foley out of the lineup for the Eagles. Jeremy McGovern with that hamstring strain. When will he return? Who knows? Also omitted Hamish Brayshaw, Xavier O'Neill, and Jared Brander. For North Melbourne, two changes coming in. Tom Murphy and Sam Durden. And out, Aiden Bonar, who is injured and ominously for him, out of contract and omitted again, Mason Wood. Could be the last time we've seen him in a North Melbourne jumper, Finey. I think uh, we've seen North Melbourne win their last game too because they ain't going to be winning this one. What do you say? Well, what a season they've had. They win the first game of the year. That's off about a 140-day break. Then they have an 84-day break and win the next one. Obviously, they don't like playing off short breaks because they've only won one since. That was... Oh, there's an interesting fact about that win, by the way. Their only win for the rest of the year. Do you know what that is? What is it? I'm pretty sure it's the highest score of the year. I reckon you will find that their only other win is the highest score by any team this season. Okay, so given a chance of repeating that. 119 points. Yeah, 
yeah, West Coast could could take the crown off them because of them. You know, they've got a pretty potent forward line, West Coast. North Melbourne are uh, staffed. I guess West Coast, uh, valiant attempt at making the top four with a great win over St Kilda, but I don't think they're going to make it because Richmond and Geelong have pretty um, formality-type matches. So I guess it's motivation for West Coast, hopefully not self-preservation. They've had so many injuries. They, you know, The one way to guarantee an injury is to try and look after yourself on a footy field, so hopefully that doesn't come a cropper for them. But this game is not a great way to kick off what is a pretty interesting round. It's an absolute fizzer. I guess it's the under it's the undercard to the undercard. North Melbourne stopped trying weeks ago, well, stopped being effective weeks ago. West Coast will beat them by how much, how much, who cares? Well, I suggest you don't even bother watching the game. You just tune in to Footyology Final Siren tonight after the game where we will uh, be discussing <laughs> this game having built it up so effectively uh, we will be online to talk about it and uh, take all your questions via the Periscope app so make sure you're part of that yes uh, West Coast very handsomely for me as well Friday night though this is a, a game with massive stakes attached to it it is at the Gabba 750 it is St Kilda taking on GWS. Uh, St Kilda still reasonably likely to, or very likely to be part of the finals. GWS up against it. Uh, All St Kilda has to do to qualify for finals is to win. If it loses, it can still qualify, um, except if the Bulldogs beat Fremantle and Melbourne were to beat Essendon by a big enough margin. Uh, GWS, harder for them to get in there now. They've got to win this one. They've also got to overtake the Saints and either the Bulldogs or Melbourne on percentage. So it looks like very likely the Giants to go from a grand final berth to missing the finals altogether, which doesn't happen that often. I don't think they're going to win this game either, finding. I think it'll be close and you're always a bit uh, anxious about a game in which GWS is involved because you might get their best or you might get their worst. Very unpredictable they have become. But St Kilda, uh, look, they're not in great winning form either, but they've been certainly been competitive, lost a few very close ones. I think they're good enough to win this one and, and just to make sure that they're part of their first final series since 2011, more importantly, that they're doing it under their own steam and not relying on the misfortunes of others. So I'm going for the Saints to win this one. Okay. Zach Jones will be missed by St Kilda. He's hurt his hammy again. That's bad. But Hanabry might be playing a bit of a surprise selection. So they reckon Hanabry's going to get picked. Carlisle's expected to play. There's two dangers here for St Kilda. One is getting beaten by GWS. And the other danger is beating GWS by a sort of a fair enough margin that the game's result is done and dusted, say, by three-quarter time. Because that will unleash Mumford to do what he's always wanted to do and kill some people in his final quarter of football. He was intimating as much last week. Can you believe he's only ever been 
suspended, I think. Has he been only suspended once in his career? He has landed on people, squashed them, belted them, steamrolled them, kneed them, fallen through them. But somehow, within the confines of the laws of the game, but I fear what he may do if there's no tomorrow for him, because I'm pretty sure he ain't playing next year. Uh, it'll be an interesting dynamic, GWS. They've got some guys near the end of their career. They've got some guys want out. They've got some guys trying to prove themselves to be good footballers for the future. So you're right. It could be anything. They're a mixed bag of lollies. I don't want it to be close because St Kilda doesn't know how to win the close ones. That's for sure. Um, I'm tipping St Kilda. I keep doing it. I keep getting uh, let down at the death knock by St Kilda's inability to finish off games. So we'll see how they go. I'm not sure, Mummy, uh, what he's done has come under the province of the rules. I think it's come under the province of the it's very funny when a big man falls on a little man rule, uh, which commentators have observed religiously for years now. It's just like anything Shane Mumford does is sort of like, ah, you scallywag. Um, yeah, he's a pretty big scallywag. Yes, it's a strange dynamic. And he, he does the old Bart Simpson. Yeah. I'm just going to punch the air. And if you happen to be in that air when I'm punching, bad luck to you. Yes, yes, it is it's strange. Uh, all right, so we're both going for St Kilda there. Let's head to Saturday. And the first of the games on offer is at Metricon Stadium, 2.10 local time. It is the very disappointing Essendon, uh, now well out of finals contention, taking on Melbourne which after that win last week over GWS still is in finals contention. How do the Demons get there? Well, they obviously have to win this game. They have to hope that Fremantle beats the Western Bulldogs or GWS beats St Kilda and that they beat Essendon by a big enough margin to overtake St Kilda's percentage. Yes, it's complicated. Are they going to win, though? Yes, I'm pretty confident they will because what they are playing is a shell of a football side, to be honest. Essendon uh, has been pretty damn ordinary uh, for a couple of weeks now, bordering on uncompetitive, first against Geelong and then in the wet against Port Adelaide. And it was only the wet that prevented that from being an absolutely enormous margin. They have just lost all semblance of heart and spirit and you name it the Bombers have lost it and it was a really gutsy win by the Demons last week and whilst there is life there is hope and on that basis can't possibly tip against them this week Finey. Uh, Melbourne for me by plenty. Yeah I mean Melbourne should win maybe just maybe if there is any affection for worse fold from the players any appreciation of the job he did, remembering he stepped in at a very tough time, maybe they'll show something for him. I think there's been some disappointingly selfish players at Essendon this season, and that's probably the most galling thing for Essendon fans. And when well, I say name, Steph, name names, Devon Smith, I think he's in a world of his own. He's in a bad mood sometimes. He's in a good, you know. I think it's. He hasn't played to the team team plan is fairly obvious. He's been pardoned from football this year. I'm, I'm, 
I don't know what happened to some of their players. What is Laverde injured? Yeah, he's always injured. Um, uh, the I, I really like Sam Draper, but you know that bloke that's just retired doing shenanigans after getting one of his only kicks in four weeks. That doesn't seem to be to be disciplined football. Um, I, I really like McGrath's that season. Ridley season. They're the they're the standouts, aren't they? Well, Tim and Woody. Tim and Woody's another one. Very disappointing this year. You know, very yep. disappointing. Um, yep. All right, so, mate. You encapsulated them. But but what I'm what I'm suggesting is, can they? They're better than they're better than this. They're not brilliant, but they're better than they're playing. And Melbourne aren't great. It could be a game if Fessenden had got any heart. It could be a game. I'm tipping Essendon. Okay. Well, I was thinking, uh, given you 12 behind me in the tips or something, you have to go for a few roughies. I don't know if I you can go for 12 roughies. Actually, you know, you did pick a couple up. I think the margin is back to 10. Oh, if it was nine, I'd just go whatever you're not going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that is a brave tip in itself. Essendon to beat Melbourne, says Finey. I am staying. Melbourne are not a great team, mate. Uh, they'll, they'll win. Uh, all right, let's head to Adelaide Oval, Saturday, 4.40pm local time, which, of course, is 5.10 Eastern Standard Time. And uh, Adelaide against Richmond. Uh, well, Richmond, of course, uh, having to preserve their top four spot. So they need to win. Uh, they're up against, it should be said, though, they are up against a totally different proposition now to what you would have said a month ago because the Crows have now won three games in a row and look pretty damn good in doing so. And I think there's some genuine pluses coming out of this season for them. They have debuted a truckload of players and uh, a lot of them have played most of, if not all, the season. And most of them have shown some really good science. So uh, well done to Matthew Nix for holding his nerve and uh, well done to the Crows players for not having become totally disheartened and thrown him a towel like uh, a certain team from the northern suburbs of Melbourne. They've hung in there really, really well and that should be a lesson, I think, for a lot of other clubs in a similar predicament. That said, uh, Richmond is Richmond. Uh, and this is the time of the year that the Tigers love certainly look like they're coming to play now. That was a very, very efficient, bordering on ruthless uh, number they did on Geelong last week. And they need to win to make sure they stay top four. And on that basis, they will win. And I think they'll win very comfortably against Adelaide, who will at least end this season on a far, far more positive note than you would have thought a month or so ago. Tigers, for me, by plenty. What a magnificent fixture for Adelaide to end the season on. Matthew Nix could not have handpicked a better game. They've won three in a row. Hawthorne, GWS, Carlton. Now, that's good. Bloody good when you're 0 and 13. With three in a row, what better way to end the season? At home, crowd back on side against the clear premiership favourites. What a great way to test yourselves, to throw yourselves in this last game, especially with Richmond having something to play for. Of course, I tip Richmond. But 
I think this will be a great game to watch. And Adelaide are in a big game and they deserve it and they're going to relish it. And I'll just look forward to Lockie Shoal playing well, McAdam, um, you know, some of the blokes that have helped them come from nowhere. And also the Rory Sloans and Crouches of this world who've lifted up their ratings. Should be a great game. Richmond to win, but Adelaide deserve a bit of prime time or a, a, a few eyeballs. Plenty of people will be watching this one. All right, uh, that is the Saturday Twilight fixture. The Saturday evening fixture is at the Gabba, 7.40 Eastern Standard Time. Brisbane at home, again, taking on Carlton. And uh, the Lions, well, gearing up. Uh, top two will get at least two home finals. Uh, three, if they get to a grand final. Carlton. Well, after uh, some real promise at moments during this season, any fleeting finals chance the Blues had last week uh, undone by that shocking loss to Adelaide. That said, I'm definitely in the um, glass half full camp with the Blues, perhaps surprisingly for me. It's not a noted position I take, but uh, I think there's uh, enough out of this season positive for Carlton to be uh, stealing themselves for a pretty sizable crack at finals next year. They, however, in this game, are taking on a team in pretty good nick and uh, just putting the finishing touches on preparation for a second finals campaign. They'll be pretty intent on making this one last longer than the first one when they went out in straight sets. They really have to make things pay this time. So it starts here, finally, with a good tune-up against the Blues. Well, it's going to be a pretty emotional day for the Blues, nonetheless, with Cade Simpson playing the last of 300 and well, close to 350 games. What a fantastic servant for the Blues he has been through uh, what has largely been a reasonably unsuccessful era so well done to him uh we did pay tribute to him earlier but uh that will certainly make the emotional stakes higher i just can't see them beating the lions though for any the lions really need to head into finals all guns blazing uh i don't think they'll win it by a heap but i think they'll certainly do enough to win what say you well first of all on kate simpson what a marvel he's been undersized, underweight, really, for 342 games of this very physical sport. He's no outside play. I mean, he, he is, in a way, sort of a, a conduit out of the back and a bit of an outside runner, but he's never shirked an issue. He's never taken a backward step. And he's, you know, you don't play football uh, without copying a lot of heavy bumps. And he's only a little bloke, but he's absolutely been durable and still a, a, a worthy member of that 22. No charity here. Unfortunately, his last game will add to his most unwanted record by one, and that is that he's played in more losing games than anybody in the history of the, of the sport. No fault of his own, but Brisbane will beat Carlton. I concur. All right, uh, let's turn our attention to Sunday. And a uh, pretty early start for this one, 12.35pm local time, 105 uh, east of Adelaide. And uh, 
Yeah, it's not overly appetising, let's be honest. It is Hawthorne, who have had a miserable season, uh, their worst performance since 2004, taking on Gold Coast. Uh, again, though, the retirement equation comes into play, and we spoke of it earlier, the dual retirements of both Captain Ben Stratton and goal sneak Paul Puopolo, each having played in those three straight flag silver hawks between 2013 and 15. Does that make a difference? I think it probably does. The Hawks, uh, you couldn't tip them on form. They've lost 12 of their last 13 games. How unhawthorne-like is that? The Suns have certainly gone off the boil as well, but uh, a bit more impressive against the Magpies on Monday evening. That, though, is a factor. Shorter break for them than the Hawks. I don't know, Fanny, as you know, I've got a lot of respect for Hawthorne as a club and how they go about things and their capacity or the capacity of any Alistair Clarkson coach side to rise to a challenge. I think they would be pretty disappointed if two great servants of the club like this were allowed to go out with a loss to Gold Coast in Adelaide. Not exactly commensurate with the sort of service they have given the club. Therefore, it is beholden to their teammates to rise to the occasion and get them over the line. I think they can do it. I think Hawthorne are going to, uh, well, it wouldn't be a major surprise, but I think Hawthorne can get up, reverse that shocking form line and pinch what in 2020 will prove to be a rare victory. Of course, they are playing for the Campbell Brown brooch. (laughs) It's a brooch, is it? Well, you know, they always, people, when they try and do those things where, you know, it's the so-and-so, and they always say trophy. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be a trophy. should be a Campbell Brown uh, boxing glove, shouldn't it? Well, I'm, I know Campbell. I like Campbell. And he would find brooch very funny. Okay. Wouldn't it be great if they gave the, the best player on the ground a brooch? <laughs> That'd be something. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess uh, if I was too behind in the tipping, I'd tip Gold Coast here, but I can't catch you. And I do agree with your theory that just out of respect for some retiring players, I know Clarko will, will play on that. And I think they've got Gunston in pretty good form and McAvoy can stand at centre-half back and repel a few things and, I think they can probably win it. Hawthorne, that is. All right. So we are both going for the Hawks. Which doesn't say much for Gold Coast by season's end, does it really? No, not really. Uh, no, I guess not. No, I guess not. Probably doesn't say much about our tipping either. Um, next game on Sunday, 3.35 at Metricon Stadium. It is Sydney taking on Geelong. Well. Um, whatever happens in this game, it's it's been a, a pretty good year for Sydney, I reckon. We sung their praises last week. But, you know, in a year in which they didn't have Buddy Franklin at all, they've lost Isaac Heaney, Dane Rampey, uh, Josh Kennedy out for long enough. You know, they've been really up against it and rebuilding to an extent anyway. They have battled on really, really well, turned up some more good young players. I think discovered a... A zippier sort of uh, 
game style, if you like, which I think might hold them in better stead going forward. And um, a lot of positives to come out of the year. Geelong. Uh, well, Geelong still have to be a premiership fancy, but uh, interesting to me, a lot of people have gone cold on them pretty quickly on the back of one defeat. And it was a it was an emphatic defeat, really, against Richmond. They were only allowed four goals for the game, and they are the competition's highest-scoring team. So they were switched off pretty quickly. Um, they do have some pretty outstanding personnel to come back into the mix, i.e. Gary Ablett, Joel Selwood, Reece Stanley, Gary Rowan. That's a pretty handy quartet of players to be bringing in. You'd expect that to make a pretty sizable difference to their performance. I don't think Sydney are going to roll over for them. That is not the way the Swans do business. So they'll have to fight pretty hard to get the points. But they need to win to make sure of top four. They need to get those guys not only back into the team, but into some decent form and gelling with their teammates again. Selwood particularly. Geez, it feels like ages since he played. Uh, it's important for the Cats from a number of regards. And on that basis, I think that uh, they will win pretty handsomely. Just like Adelaide, Sydney are hitting the line hard. More than happy for the season not to end. And that's what you want in a team that's only had a handful of wins, but they're playing their best footy at the end of the year. They've turned up some really promising young players. McInerney looks a beauty. McCartan looks like a long-term, really good key backman. Rowbottom's had a good season. Hopefully he's back in for the last game of the year. Uh, I think Cal Mills has finally uh, arrived as a really good halfback flanker. Really good. Very good reader of the play. Nick Blakey's had a very good second half of the year after the disappointment of getting omitted, but he's reacted well to it and spent a bit more time on the ball. Look, they have not got much out of Papley in terms of scoreboard in the second half of the year, but how good that he's recommitted to the club, told all suitors to no, no interest. That's a big thumbs up for every everything that Sydney is doing, isn't it? Very different to the feeling of, say, GWS or Essendon. So it's a, it's a feel-good story. I just at the moment, they don't have the firepower to kick enough of a score to stop a usually free-scoring Geelong. So the Cats for both of us. Final game on Sunday, and it is up in Cairns. We're still playing Cairns at Kazali Stadium, 6.10 local time. And uh, this is a very intriguing game and a difficult one to tip to. Fremantle playing Western Bulldogs. Now, Frio out of finals contention, but as we've said a number of times, they have been very, very solid all year. Justin Longmuir putting together a pretty handy combination there. The veterans playing pretty well. Uh, the youngsters who've been there a little uh, time really stepping up a, a level. We're talking there about Chera and Brayshaw in particular. Their defence is very solid. Sean Darcy solid in the ruck. Uh, they're a very hard nut to crack. And that is the task of the Western Bulldogs if they want to play finals. What do you reckon happens here, Finey? What a ripping game this one is. You know, another team that finishes the season full of promise for the future, the Dockers. And they'd love to 
strength their form with a win over a genuine finals contender and, you know, be a spanner in the works for a good team like the Bulldogs. Can they do it? They certainly can. With Hogan and Tabiner up front and Fife, you know, play forward and midfield. Volters looked very sharp last week. As you've mentioned, that defence. And Luke Ryan, hasn't he had a good season? And, and I don't want to go into the details because they have not been made public, but under very difficult circumstances, Luke Ryan has had a very good year and I think should be All-Australian. Doggies have got a lot get, to play um, for. Could get uh, Griffin Logue back too, actually, which would be more than handy. You know the problem, if they play Logue, well, I guess he's just going to play as a defender. But the problem is that they've really done well with Hogan and Tabiner, but it's so greasy and rainy up there. I'm not 100% sure marking forwards are going to have their say. But then again, with Walters at the base of the pack, that could be the ace in the, you know, the joker that wins the game anyhow. So uh, this one literally too much to play for, doggies. They've got a champ like Bontempelli that can lift them up over the line, that very good midfield. They're using English very cleverly at the moment. Um, I'll stick with the doggies. It, it, it would be disrespectful of a good team to tip against them. Yeah, and important in and out for the doggies too. Of course, Toby McLean, uh, sadly, going down with a serious knee injury and uh, he'll be done and dusted for probably most of next year as well. Might get Eastern Wood back from a hamstring injury though, so fairly handy replacement. Yeah, I'm going for the doggies as well, simply on the basis of more to play for. But uh, Fremantle, got a Sydney-like um, resolve about them now. You can beat them, but uh, you know you're going to have to work hard to beat them. And that was something they weren't able to say towards the back end of last year. So uh, they, they've really toughened up, I think, as a club and a uh, as a footy team as well. So well done to them, yeah, whatever yeah. the outcome well done, of this long, game is. Long, good first year, hasn't he? Longmuir has had uh, Longmuir, a sorry, terrific Longmuir. first year. Longmuir, and we right. look forward to his company on Footyology Final Siren. He has been known to drop in and visit us from time to time. So Bulldogs for both of us. And the last home and away game of 2020, and it's a good one to finish off. It is on Monday evening, 7.15 at the Gabba. And it is, uh, oh, we actually haven't had that tedious debate about uh, the traditional Port Adelaide jumper because they are playing Collingwood. The new Magpies, or not Magpies anymore, no, I won't pour petrol on the fire, but Port Adelaide, taking on Collingwood. Finey, what do you reckon happens in this one? Uh, I, this is a really tricky game because Port Adelaide really don't have a lot to play for. They've sewn up top two. Collingwood do have a lot to play for. They'll know more once the game starts because depending on other results, they do not want to go. Nobody wants to finish eighth and go to Perth to play West Coast which, by the way, is grossly unfair. It, it, the AFL should be have a good hard look at themselves if they think it's fair to allow West Coast to play a home final. Because to go over there, an AFL club is going to have to quarantine in a hotel for seven days. It's 
if they somehow won, it stuffs up the rest of their finals anyhow. That is, you can't, that is no way to prepare for a, a game of football, let alone a finals. And under those conditions, West Coast should not be allowed to host a game of finals football. It's an absolute joke. No, I, so, I, okay, I'm taking issue with that. I'm starting to think you've got a bit of anti-WA thing going on because they have hosted games this season. They are entitled to a home final. They could they've, equally... They've had to go now, hang on, let me finish what I'm saying. They could equally argue that they're being hard done by only being entitled to one home final when they could earn two. They... Well, hang on, if they don't finish in the top eight, the top four, you can't earn two. No, I know, but theoretically... But that state, thanks to their Premier, who is determined to keep borders locked, even though the rate of COVID-19 in states other than Victoria is minuscule, he's a, he's a very selfish Premier, I'll tell you. And the other states are railing against him more and more each day. It's becoming a major issue. Now, why should a team set for a finals campaign. Look, everybody knew during the season you had to be flexible. Collingwood went over there. They played three games, fair enough. You know, you, you do your time, seven days, and then you play your three games. Why should any team in the finals be forced to, you know, um, isolate in a hotel for seven days when the other teams are all out and about trading and playing on football fields. It's not fair. It's not fair to the one team that goes there. It's not fair to West Coast. West Coast are all right. They go there and they live there. But for Collingwood... Yeah, but they've still got to come back to the other side of the continent to play the rest of the final series. I mean, West Coast, you could argue, they've done it tougher than anyone else. They've been more removed from the rest of the country. Yeah, well, they shouldn't do it either. But under those selfish rules set up by the Premier of WA, the AFL shouldn't be playing any finals there. It's not fair to the team that goes there. How can that be fair? All right. Everybody else who's playing finals gets a bye week, a week to train, work on things. They're all on full football fields, except for the team that goes there. They've got seven days in a hotel. Okay, so don't finish eighth on the ladder. Yeah, well, that's it. That's exactly right. So if Collingwood can avoid it, they'll win. <laughs> what are we actually doing here? Previewing Collingwood and Port Adelaide? We are, aren't we? Yeah. So Collingwood, as long as that's what they've got to play for, they'll win. Okay. Anything about the actual game? Well, it's a bit of one of those annoying games because Port Adelaide doesn't have anything to play for. Yeah, I, I think Port will be pretty... Yeah, you're right. Effectively, they don't. I think they'll be pretty fired up to go into finals in decent form. I reckon they'd also be pretty pissed off about the fact they've been on top of the ladder the entire season and no one seems to be giving them any sort of premiership chance whatsoever. And that's a factor too. If they stay on top, uh, they will become the first side since Essendon 2000 to be on top of the ladder every week of the season. So um, credit to them for doing that. I think it's fair to say they would not be one of the sides you would have thought would have been a candidate to do that this season. So I know um, who on top. Save it again. I know which team wants them on top. Who's that? Brisbane. 
wasn't that always a good sign for Brisbane in their three-peak that Port would finish above them on the ladder on top? Yeah, well, that's true. Port did, uh, I think Port finished on top three years in a row, 2002, three and four. And it took yep. them until the last of them to crack the flag. But uh, that was the last time they did. So maybe that's a positive omen for them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going for the power. I, I, look, I, I respect Collingwood. and uh, But, you know, things might be sort of stitched up before we get to this point on Monday. So I reckon Port's uh, good enough to win. I think they will win. Who are you tipping again? Collingwood. You're tipping Collingwood. And we've registered your objection to a Perth final and we'll pass your comments on to the AFL. Thanks for your time. Gowan. No, don't start again. Refusing to open the borders just on a, you know, you know, take football out of it. He's an absolute knob. No, I don't agree. I think he's done the right thing for his state. But why are we dividing Australia into states? You know, that, that'd be like saying, all right, then in WA, if they've got it in Perth, the mayor of Geraldton says, no one from Perth allowed in Geraldton. You know, how, how, my, how, how minimised or localised are we going to make the selfishness? Well, perhaps it's the job of the federal government to actually show a bit of frickin' leadership and not just disappear and let the states duke it out for themselves. Mm. Fair enough. Are you going to... You're stuck at home, aren't you? Yeah. You should go go for a drive to Mornington today. Cost you 5,000 bucks. Yeah, no, I've got no intention of doing that. How's that for a fine? $5,000. Well, I should if get some of, the, some of the people who live in the Mornington Peninsula to pay the fine. They can afford it. Yeah. No, just imagine if you lived right on the border of Melbourne and regional Victoria. You could jump, you could sort of do that thing where you jump across a border, you know, jump back and forwards 10 times. That'd be 50 grand. <laughs> All right. Um, so you're tipping Port Adelaide or you're tipping Collingwood? I'm tipping the, I'm tipping the, the rabble in the stripes, Collingwood. You're tipping Collingwood. Okay, so we have two different. You are going for Collingwood. I'm going for Port. You are going for Essendon. I am going for Melbourne. Yep. And that Monday evening game will be the end of the 2020 home and away season. What a unusual period in our football lives this has been. But, of course, a very entertaining final series ahead. Uh, That is also the end of this podcast. We will be back on Sunday evening to review it all and talk finals looming. Uh, Quick shout out to our sponsors, if you will, Forney. 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, home of Andrew's Hamburgers, the best hamburgers in Melbourne for 81 years. And West Point Properties, Nick Spartels. What a great way to build. Uh, thanks to them. Thanks to you for listening. As ever, you can jump on our um, supporter podcast page at ACAST and uh, fling us a few bucks, or you can do that at our Patreon page, the Footyology Patreon page, and become an official Footyology patron. Heaps on the website at the moment. In fact, finally, we had record numbers on Wednesday. Michelangelo Rucci 
wrote a very interesting piece about the state of the football media focusing on our man Kane Corns and it went gangbusters. We had record numbers on the website on Wednesday. So if you haven't read that, make sure you do. It is uh, a gripping read by Rooch. He's doing some very good work for footyology. Plenty of other stuff too. We have uh, film, we have uh, TV, we have music. It's all there. Some of the finest writers in the country. Check it out and uh, feel free at any time to give us your feedback on uh, how we can improve what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. All right, that is it for this week. Uh, Enjoy your footy. Uh, We'll see you again on Sunday. Sunday.